On September 8th of 2015, the first episode of Set Lusting Bruce was released. To celebrate our anniversary month, I plan to put out a new episode every day this month. During this month, I would like to share feedback from my listeners. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments for me or any of my guests, please send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 469-249-2442. If you're not part of our Patreon group, please think about supporting the podcast by making a small monthly donation. Everyone who joins gets a personal thank you card from me and a Set Lusting Bruce sticker. Depending on your level, you can get early access to episodes and unedited videos of my discussions with guests. If you haven't rated the podcast before, please go to wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating, hopefully five star, and let people know why you love the podcast. Hope you enjoy this month of episodes. And now on to the show. I remember even at the age of seven writing stories in my little notebook so, <laughs> um, and I remember making everybody have to sit and listen to my story I have no idea what story it was I think it's about a dog actually called Lucky okay. um, <laughs> so yeah from a really young age and actually my teacher at school encouraged me to write mm. she read my story out in class and so I think it was always in me that love of not only reading but writing as well, writing the story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. It is a timey-wimey episode where it is my morning, my guest afternoon, which is always one of my favorite topics. Marie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. As you can guess from my accent, I'm a British writer. I write books, fiction books, and screenplays as well. So I just have two books out at the moment called the Those We Trust series. And my screenplay has just reached semi-final and quarter-final in two different competitions. So keep everything crossed for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is exciting. Uh, so we're going to get into writing and we're going to talk about uh, anything, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your background, your writing, but I always like to start out with growing up. What kind of music did your family listen to when you were younger? And tell me about that. So I was thinking back and um, I remember my mom, she loved 60s music. She was very much a 60s. Loved her Barry Manilow and Cliff Richard and <laughs> those sort of songs and ABBA. In fact, we still love ABBA now, don't we? Uh, ABBA. Yes, we do. ABBA's on a replay. <laughs> yes. 
In fact, my daughter and I went to a Mamma Mia party in London. It was so good. Anyway. Oh, how fun. <laughs> it was lots of fun. And when I was a teenager, though, I got, I, so when I was younger, I was more into sort of pop glam and okay. now, but that sort of music. And then when I was probably about 15, I found rock music. Uh, so there, from there on, have always been a rock chick girl ever since the release. Love my rock music. Did when you when you started growing up, did you embrace? Did you still enjoy your parents' music, or did you push it set aside and went back to it later? I would say probably pushed it aside for a while, but now I do have an appreciation for some of the music. My mum used to listen to Barbara Streisand and, and people like that. And actually you, their voices are incredible, like what they did. But I think when you're a teenager, you tend to run away, don't you, from what your parents yeah. listen to and yeah. find your own style. I find, and I've talked about this a lot, Marie, that I find there's two types of guests. There's the people that say that that they grew up with their parents' music and then they expanded their horizon and never really turned their back on it, but just added to the their basket. And the yeah. others that went, no, that's my parents' music. And then when you hit about 30, you go, hey, that Barry Manilow guy might have had a little something. Or I often talk about Johnny Cash is pretty cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I always like to ask writers this question, Maria. Did mm. Marie, did you grow up in a house of readers? Was everyone reading in your house? I mean, no. My mum read some. My dad, no. My brother, actually, my brother did read. I would say I was the biggest reader in the family. Like, I always had a book in my hand. And I actually used to love listening to music and reading at the same time, just combining the two. And I think I've given that love to both my children, actually, love reading. I say children, they're more teenagers now. But yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so much. I think I was probably the biggest reader in the family when I was growing up. Where do you think that love of reading came from? I, ooh, I think it's reading does start from young age. My mum would read stories with me when I was little and I've always done that I always did that as well with my own I think it's so important from a young age to have get them into books and stories because it helps their imagination I think there's so much screen life now isn't there that you I'm a big advocate for looking up a book as well and just reading mm -hmm. yeah. Do, did you know you always wanted to did you always write stories? Were you always someone that had a vivid imagination? Yes, I would say so. So I remember even at the age of seven, writing stories in my little notebook. Like, <laughs> um, and I remember making everybody have to sit and listen to my story. I have no idea what story it was. I think it was about a dog, actually, called Lucky. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, from a really young age, and actually... My teacher at school encouraged me to write. Mm. She read my story out in class. And so I think it was always in me that love of not only reading, but writing as well, writing the story. Did you know that's what you wanted to do for a living? 
Yes, but when I say that, I it was on a back burner for many years. It's only been in the last few years that I've actually gone into it and actually had books published and that. So it was, I could, you. I think when you're younger, you feel like you can't really pursue those things and you tend to get into a full-time job and then life happens and then you have children. <laughs> but one thing I do believe in is that you should never give up on your dreams and it doesn't matter what age you are, you can still pursue those dreams. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. Did, what brought you back to... What was there a specific moment that you said, I need to tell my story? I think it was, I was in, so my story is set in Scotland, those which are set in Scotland. And I was in Scotland and, and I'm quite visual. I do photography as well. So I'm very visual and I just could see the story from where I was in Scotland. Like I, I built up it's I don't know Scotland, but it's set around Inverness and the Highlands. And okay. and you know, you just like, I just visualised, I could just visualise the characters there and my story built from there. And I was like, you know what? I like, my children are a bit older. I feel like this is a time where I can actually pursue it and actually write this book. And it it, it takes it took a long time for writing it to, to then getting it published because obviously... Mm-hmm. It's a hard process to get into the publishing world, sure. um, and you have to be very committed and very much not going to give up on it. It's very easy to give up, to be honest, because if you get rejections from some places, yeah. you like. But I had a lot of good feedback, and I think that really encouraged me because then I kept going, and then eventually got a publishing deal. But yeah, <laughs> that's. I think it was that moment. It's, and yeah, when I have, I always have the setting of a story first, and then it progresses from there, really, which I think is quite unusual. I, don't, I was going to ask that because often when I talk to writers, it's it's characters mm. or a situation, but you, it's the setting. Yeah. Uh, do you think that the reason why, maybe because it just drives? your imagination that whether it's in Scotland or somewhere else just the very that feeling that that atmosphere is Mm. what helps drive the story and characters I believe yes very much for me I feel like the setting is almost another element all on its own almost like another character you can yeah you can create like you say that kind of atmospheric feeling from where you are and it can either be somewhere that's very tranquil and calm and peaceful, or it can be somewhere that actually has hidden dangers. And the Highlands is one of those places where it's very mystical. It's got a seat in history. It's the mountains themselves have formed their own character in my story. I feel like you can definitely create from a scene where you are, from wherever you might be, location. Yeah, I felt like the early Outlander episodes that the highlands was definitely a character that as claire and jamie were in that beautiful area it did feel like its own character yes it did and actually i've seen the outland of it so i know who you're talking about and um yeah and that's what i mean it's another dimension to your story like my character sophia she finds healing there but it also leads her to danger so it's yeah yeah hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So I'm going to get to the book in a minute, but when we were talking, you and I were exchanging emails, you <laughs> talked about you did have a favorite musician, though. Tell me who it is, <laughs> and then we'll talk about that for a little bit. Okay, it's Bon Jovi. I've been a Bon Jovi fan since I was 15 years old. So what happened was my friend got me into Bon Jovi. We were in our last year at high school. We don't call it high school, but you call it high school. And we they were coming to play at Wembley in London and so we got it's I've never been to a concert before in my life and and so we got tickets so I knew them but I didn't know their music really well but oh my okay. goodness I don't know if you've ever seen Bon Jovi live they no, are. I, uh, I haven't I've seen oh. him one of my great highlights is he was in Dallas he was scheduled to be they were Bon Jovi was scheduled to play in Dallas the next night, and yes. I was at a Bruce show, and he yes. came out and did Glory Days with Bruce, which was a oh, lot of fun. Yes. That must have been amazing. Yeah, that was, it was really a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. John, particularly, he knows how to put on an incredible show. Right. Like, and we were right by this side of the stage, so they were like, we could see them, we were like waving at them, and then Nate had this like platform thing come down, and they were came above our heads, and while well, they were still sitting performing, and it was just like from that moment on, I was just like, no concerts. I've been to a lot of amazing concerts, but nothing is quite beaten ever. That experience of being in that concert, I've actually seen them eight times live, so I can't remember. So I, I <laughs> love this story, Marie, because I often tell when I'm talking about Bruce that there's two kinds of people, the people that go to their first Bruce show and go, wow, that was long. And then the second people are, oh my goodness, how have I never gone to this show before? Yeah. And when can I go again? So it sounds <laughs> like hearing him live was your road to Damascus moment. Oh, oh without doubt. Yeah. yeah. To this day, I would still go and see them. If they were nearby, I would go and see them. And I'd, yeah, I just think I love live concerts. I love live music. Sure. I'm sure I haven't actually seen Bruce live, but I'm sure he would be 
incredible. Yeah, one, um, if you get the chance, you need to go, obviously. Um, yes. Can you articulate, as you've spent your time with listening to his music, what about it speaks to you? I think it's just... I think the way that he does his songs, writes the songs, whether they're the, like the romantic ones or not, I feel like he they come straight from his the heart, the soul. Do you know what I mean? They're not just like pretty words put on a page. They're actually very much yeah. Just I love and I love the one. I don't know if you know the song "Keep the Faith," but it's it talks about no matter what life throws at you, you keep your faith, keep going. And I love that sort of thing. It's I don't know. I just they just catch me. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you've seen him eight times live. Do you have any special, is there a show that stood out or memories of going to shows that are specially memorable? So obviously that one, that first one, but I think also yeah. there was one where they were at Milton Keynes National Bowl, which is like an outdoor one. And at the same concert for their supporting acts, they had Billy Idol and they had Alice Cooper. And, okay. and it was like for me I was like in my element cause just like so many good supporting acts as well and they were like they're all... and I always remember whoever was like they always been in a, like a band that's not known yet so very much yeah. supporting new talent and Jumbo Jovi would always wear the t-shirt of whoever it was that band on mm -hmm. stage and I always thought that was really nice like a really supporting sure up and coming talent as well which mm -hmm. is so important to me. So I think when you've made it big, you it's good to them be in Africa and support. Yeah. Because it's so hard to get into the, the scene. It's like writing. It's so hard to get into the music scene as it is for writing scene. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that there, his music has influenced your writing? Probably helped with my romantic streak. <laughs> Okay. I do always have romance in my stuff. Okay. And I think some of them, some of the love songs they wrote were, yeah, definitely. Okay. But I, like, I quite often will have, if I'm creating a scene in a, in a book, I'll quite often have a music on, mm -hmm. which helps. And I would say, yeah, Bon Jovi would also very much influence that. But also when I'm working out, I like to have Bon Jovi as well. Gotta work okay. Out. Well, I kind of nice. music. Yeah. Yeah, are the so are the kids rolling their eyes at mom's music, or are they embracing yeah. his music? A little bit of both, it has to be said. So they're always sure. like, "Oh no, I don't like my Jovi." But then they like hear one, and they're like, "Oh, actually, that's quite good." Or they're like, <laughs> "We dance along with it, or sing along with it," and I'm like, "I always say my job's complete as a mom if they like a Bon Jovi song." <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Have you taken them to a show? No. But my daughter, I and I are slightly different. We're going to go and see Hosea in okay. December. So this is like her first proper concert that she's going to go to. We did see Rag and Bone Man who, last year. But okay. yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Hosea because he's really good as well. Yeah, so. oh, that sounds good. All right, let's switch from music fandom to writing. Okay. So talk about, you've had two books out, correct? Yes. So they're part of the same series. Okay, so, so let's talk about 
the series and tell me a little bit about what's your elevator pitch on the series, right? <laughs> I'm sure you've got one. I used I joke about I have a really good friend, Tom Zoller, who whenever I could, I would go to a comic book convention with him and would sit at the table catching up. And it got to the point where I could do his book pitch as well as he could because I had heard it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tell me the pitch. Okay. I'm not so good at this. That's, <laughs> That's <your> okay. <laughs> but basically, so yeah, set in Scotland. So what it is, this is Sophia. She is just coming out of a broken marriage. She's very low. And her friend from university that she hasn't seen in about 10 years suddenly reappears in her life and invites her to stay at her house in Inverness. So Sophia takes up that offer. However, it soon becomes clear that all is not as it seems and her friend is actually being investigated for potential fraud and the house gets broken into and which leads Sophia to meeting the detective who's been having the house under surveillance. So Marcus, it's very much a story of a woman who, Sophia, who it goes through your great character arc during this book and discovers who she is but also it's very much who can you trust who do you put your faith into is it the detective that's just coming to her life or is it her friend from the university days so it's very much who's telling her the truth so she gets swept up into this world of criminal activity <laughs> and yeah so it's so it's a, a thriller romance suspense it's those we trust it really does right it sits there right yes. that's a great question because you know immediately the thought would be that well of course she's going to trust her old friend they have a there there is a, a history there but i can imagine and i'm looking forward to reading the book right it's also been a lot of years since they've been in touch and all of us can change. Yeah. Nice. Yes. And of course, I'm sure, being what it is, there's a little bit of sexual tension between the detective and our hero. Of course. For, <laughs> yes. For proximity and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for yeah. Gonna have a bit of that with that. Yeah. So it's yeah, it has all of that as well. And for the detective Marcus himself is is a very much a straight black and white, there's no gray areas and obviously he has to, he has, he finds himself trusting Sophia, but should he trust Sophia yeah. as well? He doesn't know. She's actually involved with her friend in this. And this, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so oh. yeah. That sounds really <laughs> interesting. You say it's a series. Are you both of, is it a two? Do you think it's, you're at two or do you know if you it's, want to continue? There's going to be, it's going to be a trilogy. So I'm writing the okay. third one right now not literally right now i'm in the middle of writing the third one so the second one is called those we seek and then there'll be a third one coming originally those we trust i had written it as a standalone but a lot of readers said to me feel like their stories do not finish and actually i didn't feel like their story was finished and so we i've carried on yes yeah and often we want to spend more time with that 
those characters on a series, yeah. right? And and if you feel like there's more stories to tell, like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great idea. Yes. That's nice. So you also mentioned, though, you're working on a screenplay. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's actually based on Those We Trust. So Those We Trust, because I actually have got some awards for it now. So I felt, okay, this may be a good story that I could transfer to the screen. So it's currently, it's written as a feature, but it's also written, written as a TV series. I've just put it into the competition. So I've just found out, yeah, I've got through the semifinals of one and the quarterfinals of another competition. I also have, I got a double recommend from Stage 32, which is like a very big player. Mm-hmm. Like connect writers with producers and people like that. Okay. Uh, and I also have somebody who's working on my behalf in America. Obviously, at the moment, everything's a little bit on hold because of the strike. Um, Absolutely. Although I'm not a member, um, I'm obviously supporting other writers. So yeah. at the moment, we can't pursue it any further, right. apart from through the competitions. So you're not yeah. the competitions. Um, so I'm hoping that would be like a dream come true. If, if I could either be as a movie or as a TV series based mm-hmm. on my books, um, that would, well, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, so I've written that as well. So I'm a bit Yeah. <laughs> In this process of both writing the books and the screenplay, have you learned anything about yourself? Good question. I think I've learned that I've I am more determined and committed than I realize. And actually, this is my passion. This is my life. I think if it wasn't, I don't think I would have carried on like I did with honestly the amount of rejections you get like sure absolutely (laughs) and that can be really that could really defeat you but I've learned I think maybe it's stubbornness as well don't know that kind of you have to be quite tenacious you have to be like fully committed to what you're doing and disciplined as well you some there's days where you don't want to sit down and write but I you have to have that discipline actually I am going to sit down I am going to do some writing and once you get into it it's incredible like I have such a love for it so I think I've just learned that I'm yeah definitely just learning to be determined and stick to your dream and not let people tell you otherwise because I think some people will always be like oh they're not negative but they're just they would call themselves realists and say oh see this there's so many writers out there already but if you love what you love then you want to share that don't you yeah i i love i tell this story that my wife wishes i'd stop telling but (laughs) when i first started saying i was going to start a podcast Mm -hmm. my my wife said why would anyone want to listen to you (laughs) and i do know where she was coming from she was thinking that podcasts are people who are experts in a field Right. That's the only podcast mm-hmm. she'd ever listened to is someone who was a dietitian or a newscaster. Yes. And and then she now, would you quit telling that story? I'm very supportive of you now. And I'm like, no, I understand. But yeah, it is that. And then I won't put you on the spot, but let's say if you're 
if your daughter, if your children, oh, I want to take up acting or I want to be a sculptor, right? The first thought as a parent is, okay, how are you going to support yourself? What are we going to do? How are you going to get health insurance? Of course, living in the UK, you guys have a little bit more problem than we do. You guys have health insurance. But right, (laughs) as a parent, it's very easy to try to be practical. And often your friends are not trying to be negative. They're just trying to, they're worried about you. Yeah. And that is easy to quash someone's dreams without meaning to yes in good intentions yes definitely um yeah and i think yeah i think we all do that like we even if we don't mean to but i think i've learned from just my own experience is that you just don't know what that person's able to do and yes of course they should have always have a backup plan like something to fall back on but Hey, yeah. that dream. Mm-hmm. My son wants to be a basketball player. Oh, who knows? Yeah. He may well get to, to do that. You, know, yeah. so you just got to, yeah, keep, yeah, encourage them, but make yeah. sure they have something to fall back on as well, just in case. <laughs> yeah. And the, once again, my friend Tom comes up a lot in this because he said that when he was like the moment he could pick up a crayon. He knew he wanted to draw for a living. Yeah. That was the only thing he ever wanted to do. Yeah. And he went to art school. He worked as a commercial artist for a while and then finally decided to take the plunge to be self-employed. Right. And he jokes about that. He says every success story starts with it was the wrong time to go independent, but I did it anyway. Right. (laughs) And he did that. And and there's been lean times, but it is he's doing what he loves and he's pursuing it. And I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And but I think wonderful for you. You. Is there. Once you finish your trilogy, yes. What's next for you? What do you want to do creatively next? Next, I think that I would start a completely new kind of story. Um, yeah. After putting aside Marcus and Sophia's stories, I think. Yeah. That I certainly I would want to start a new kind of book series. I want to do more screenwriting. Yeah. Uh, for me, this is now like long term. I'm not sure. yet a full time writer, but that's my goal is to be a full time writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, I work part time in a school as well. So I'm a teaching assistant. So it will be lovely. Yeah, that's my dream, really, too. I was, kind of, when I got my first book out, I was just like, I can't believe I got a book out. But now, I'm like, okay, so this is this is okay. People like it, so I'm gonna keep going now. Um, sure. Yeah. Where it goes. So. Do you? I, I love the idea. And Brad Meltzer, who is a very successful writer, tells the story that his first book, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong. Bear with me that I'm making a. I'm repeating his joke. He said, "I, I got ten rejection letters." There's only nine publishing house. That's right. Some publishing house rejected me twice and kept, he kept believing in himself and kept working. And, and I think there is that the fine line between being realistic, but also not 
giving up your dreams. And yeah, one of the things I try to tell people, I, I get fairly often people reaching out to me and saying, you've been doing a podcast for a while. What advice do you have? And I always say, one, pick a subject that you love talking about. Hmm. If it if no one listens, are you still going to want to do it? And is the subject broad enough that you aren't going to run out of topics after five or six episodes? And then just do it. And your first episode is going to be crappy. And your second one will be a little less crappy. And your third one a little less crappy. And maybe when you get to it, you might be halfway decent. But the reality is, once again, Tom says, I will never do a tattoo. Because I would have to have anything on my body would have to be drawn by me. And there's nothing I've drawn that six months later, I wish I couldn't go back and redraw. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that way about your writing when you read? Do you go, man, yeah. wow, did I, why did I do that there? Oh, definitely. I'd say I think to a writer who's written and their yeah. book has never come finished. It's, it just gets to a point where you just have to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's always, I actually can't now rewrite. Love we read my books yeah. because I'm sure that I would see something in there where I'm like, I would change that now. I would improve that now. Yeah, I could see this in us. But I don't know who originally said it, but J. Michael Stravinsky, who wrote Babylon 5 and a bunch of other things, quotes often, artists never finish, it's only abandoned. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of beauty to that, right? <laughs> that you do the best you can and I can... I just talked to a writer the other day and she was the exception. She said, Nope, I was able to, I did a couple of rewrites and I was, it was done. But most people said the editor had to go, Marie, it's as good as it's going to get. You, you've got to, you've yeah. got to get this out in the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. No, but <laughs> I, it's best I don't go back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Does that give you a little bit of hardship with your writing this third story? Do you just have good enough notes that you know what's happened before so you don't have to reread it to go, oh, yeah, this thing. Yeah. I need to make sure I don't contradict that. I do. Yeah, I will reference back. So if I want to make sure I've got something right, I will yeah. reference it to the book. But I think, yeah, I know the story so well that I know what's happened I think it's more going forward making sure especially for the third book I'm doing I've got to make sure everything's tied up at the end yeah everything comes together all the storylines because you can lose a little bit track (laughs) right yeah I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit Marie and I are both part of a a service kind of a, a website that allows podcast hosts and podcast guests to set up meet and called Podmatch. I really recommend it. It's a great service. But one of the that you they let you list questions that people can ask you. And one of them that I loved is who would you invite to your imaginary dinner party? Obviously Bon Jovi would be oh, one of the spots. That goes without yeah. saying. And you'd ask him to bring his guitar. We're like, you, you will have to sing for your supper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'll be drinking his wine as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a couple other people? So I would have Jane Austen. Okay. Because, now, 
that author she was ahead of her times in so many ways her stories now are still incredibly popular so i would love to know how what it was like to actually be able to get into print herself because she had it tough i used to always want obviously she's passed away as well now but the queen our queen yeah we loved our queen lizzie yes (laughs) i think she just dedicated her life to to us really yeah Um, and it was so if you don't mind, I'll share a story. I worked with someone who is British and we we weren't overly friendly. We were polite to each other, but there was never a connection. Yes. And and after the Queen passed, at our next meeting, I mentioned, I said, I, this sounds silly, but I almost felt like I should send you an email saying, I'm so sorry, condolences. And she went into, she goes... I would have loved that. Yes, I did. I felt like I've lost a f- member of my family. Yeah, yeah. And I've had, I've had, I have, Bruce has a huge following in the UK and Europe. Yeah. And so I, I do, like when we mentioned this, I said, yeah, I do Saturday and Sunday mornings for my UK guests because it works out usually well for us. But I had a guest who was talking about Doctor Who and she said there was, Doctor Who meant Christmas to her. And she said, you got up, you opened presents, you ate too much candy, you went to church, you had a meal, you listened to the Queen's speech, you watched the Christmas special, Doctor Who Christmas special. It was all just this tradition. And yeah, yeah, I would, I would have, I agree. I think if you could get her, if you could have gotten her where she was yes not on display like the one that they see the family said that would be a wonderful yeah story yeah great guess yeah oh definitely oh my goodness yeah Yeah. Yeah. we were all like devastated like we yeah we just she's always been there even now i still can't i haven't got my head around the fact we got a king on the throne now i'm like really yeah yeah (laughs) it is you think about it that all that she has reigned through, all yeah. the changes that the world had gone through. And I also, and I don't know how you feel politically, but I felt a little protective of Charles that people were, had him under a spotlight and were complaining a few things. And I said, your mom just died. And yeah. I don't care if you've waited your whole life to take this gig. It's a pretty big gig. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's almost like that. So much waiting for it that actually now that it's happened. Yeah. Like you say, it must be like quite a shock to the system. Suddenly, oh, yeah. Okay. I am now king. And yeah. Like you say, he lost his mum. Really. Yeah. And I know that I still think about sometimes I lost my dad in 2011. Sorry, and I that? still think about without thinking, I should ask dad about this. Mm. And he can't. Yeah. He must go, I should ask, oh. Because yeah. she would be the only one who could give him advice. One of the beauties of the U.S. is if you're president, you can pick up the phone and call, there's three or four living presidents and say, hey, 
this is happening. You're the only person that understands this, but yeah. he has no one that he can no. ask for. No. Yeah. No, I know. Yes. Yeah. Tell us how to find the books. What's the best way? So they're on Amazon, uh, which is probably the easiest way for most people. Um, okay. You can also visit my website. And it's got links on there. So that's okay. www.mariejonesbritishwriter.com. And I will include the link on the, I will include the link in the show notes. Okay, brilliant. Good. Yes, I'm also on social media, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, good. I was, say, I was going to say Twitter, but it's not called Twitter anymore, is it? It's called It's X, X but yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah, at Marie Jones 14057. And yes. uh, I will include that link as well. Yes. Go ahead. And then it's Instagram or Facebook. It's just, it's Marie Jones Writer. Okay. When you go to app. Marie, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? You were going to ask me about the song? Yes, I will end it? that. Yes, I will end that with, yes, I will do that. Um, but yes, otherwise. No, uh, I don't okay. think so. No, okay, good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a chance to plug away in a minute and give you a chance to do final thoughts. But mm-hmm. I end every podcast what I call the Mary question. Yeah. Uh, Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher. But when he was teaching, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. They yes. would go over the lyrics. They would look at it as if it was a poem. He would. They would talk about the imagery and the word choices and the themes that Bruce explored. And then at the end of the class, he would ask his students, does Mary get in the car? So, Marie, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I, I'm going to say yes, actually. I'm going to say yes. I feel she deserves to get in the car. Okay. I know you can, I feel like she's very disappointed in her life. Like life has not been what she hoped it to be. And although it would take a amount of courage to get into the car, not knowing where you're going to be going, I feel like she needs that. She needs to go. She needs to. Okay. <laughs> and I believe maybe she has it in her to get into that car and drive off into the unknown. That's Perfect. me. That's great. Yes. All right, Marie, any final thoughts? Just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. And if anybody, if they do want to read my books or they want to contact me, I always love hearing from people. So they're very welcome to contact me anytime. And if they've got, yeah, if they've got any questions. And obviously if they do read the books, I always love to know what they think of them as well. So yes. <laughs> very nice. Yes, the the books are here we go yes those we seek and those we trust please check them out let us know let marie think know what you think we are going to end with everybody needs somebody to love mother everybody needs somebody to hate please believe me everybody bitching because they don't get enough it's hard to hold on when there's no one to lean on. Faith, you know you got to live through the rain. Lord, we got to keep the faith. Faith, don't you let your love turn to hate. Now you got to keep the faith. Thank you, Marie. Thank, Thank you, you, listeners. So we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.
And there we are. Thank yeah. you so much. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Well, keep me posted when the new book comes out or you get word on the screenplay. Reach well, out. Thanks. Let's have you on again. Okay. Okay. That's and fine. I am going to go check out the book. I'm looking forward to it. Lovely. And will you give me a link when you, when it's, yeah. I sure will. Yeah. This will be out in about, about four weeks. I've got some in the pad, but I'll let you know. Okay. That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Anthony J. Resta, the host of Studio Secrets A to Z, a podcast where we get together with guests from recording studios around the world to discuss their projects and triumphs and their failures. Uh, some of our past guests include Craig Bauer, who's multi-Grammy winner with uh, Kanye and people like that. Bob St. John, who I, we detail our work with Duran Duran on Medazzaland with hits like Electric Barbarella. We go into the details on the gear and the, the studios in London and Boston. And we've had, you know, Tracy Bonham, a phenomenal singer from Boston. That I have a history that goes all the way back to the very beginning of her career. And Steve Ferroni, the legendary session drummer, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, 23 years, and studio legend with Michael Jackson, Average White Band, Eric Clapton, Chaka Khan. Just endless stories to share with you guys. Nuno Betancourt, the legendary uh, maestro guitarist and arranger producer, worked with Rihanna and an extreme, of course, hits more than words. We have a two-part podcast talking about our history together, writing songs together. Michael Beinhorn, the legendary producer behind some of the most iconic rock records of all times, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soundgarden, the invention of the two-inch eight-track just these people are all iconic, uh, legendary people who push boundaries. And that's really what we're interested in, is, is, is finding out what makes these people who they are. So make sure to check out Studio Secrets A to Z every week on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You just heard the fun talking. Hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.